according to the defense ministry here, uh, the uh, South Korean military and the U.S. are set to have a uh, joint drill next month. Uh, it's, it's expected to be a computer-simulated exercise. Now, uh, the two nations have canceled a bilateral exercise last spring. Uh, this was mainly due to COVID-19 concerns. Uh, they did conduct a two-week drill in August instead. However, this is in the midst of how to deal with some of the pressing issues in regards to the Korean Peninsula uh, in terms of OPCON transfer, which would uh, give wartime operational control to South Korea, as well as, of course, what all of this means in terms of an engagement policy with North Korea. Uh, To give us some analysis, we're very pleased to have joining us once again the Senior Director of the Center for National Interest and Executive Editor of the National Interest, Harry Kazianis, on the line. Hello. Hi, good to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us again, sir. So uh, the uh, South Korean government here uh, is going to agree to this upcoming joint military exercise. Uh, There are some uh, kinks to work out in terms of what we've been calling OPCON, wartime operational control. Uh, The the U.S., um, perhaps a little bit more reticent in terms of their outlook on uh, the prospects of this. And they're they're also citing COVID-19 concerns. Um, the uh, full operational com- capability, as it's called, uh, how do you foresee that being sort of conducted during this upcoming drill? Well, I think they're going to try to do everything they can to simulate wartime conditions, albeit, as you sort of pointed out in your introduction, it's most likely going to be done in a computer simulation. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, in, in, in terms of modern warfare, practically everything's done by computer. So I think it will give them a good sense of reaction time, you know, how well the South Korean government and military are able to operate in all the different domains, whether it's cyber, air, sea, land, you know, how they'd be able to conduct a war leading that against North Korea or, you know, some other adversary. But I do think in the long term, I do think they are going to have to do different operations in the field. And I completely understand that there's, you know, a lot of worries about if, you know, transmission of COVID-19, obviously upsetting North Korea at what could be a critical time. But I do think right now, I I think we are very close to South Korea being able to get operational control. You know, the the timeline might slip a little bit, but I do think within the next 24 to 36 months, I don't see there's any reason why this can't happen. Yeah, and speaking of timeline, this uh, for a lot of our younger listeners, this has been a decades-long process, uh, starting with uh, the former president, um, Noh Moo-hyun's administration, where they first had proposed and agreed upon this. Then you had subsequently 10 years of conservative rule here with Lee Myung-bak and Park Geun-hye, where they essentially just kicked the can down the road with OPCON transfer. Now with the current president, uh, Moon Jae-in, he has publicly stated that he would like to see this uh, transfer take place within his term. Do you think that is feasible amidst the current pandemic and the current geopolitical situation? I don't. I I mean, I I wish it would, to be honest with you, but considering everything that's happened with COVID-19, I I mean, I I just think that really has pushed the timeline and everybody's hopes on this to a point where, you know, unless you're doing real operations Mm. in the field, you have to do some operations in the field. Yeah, I, I think that really just makes it impossible for an OPCON transfer, you know, by the time President Moon leaves office. I know that was a big goal of his, but I think we have to be realistic and just understand that the pandemic has transformed everybody's lives, and that means militaries have to adjust, too. But I don't think it has to slip that long. Maybe, 
you know, if I think they really pushed maybe a year, 18 months, maybe even 24 months, but I think President Moon is going to miss out on this one. I do. Right. And the calculations could certainly change once again if a conservative administration takes over in, in South Korea again, right? Absolutely. I don't think they're going to be too eager to, to, uh, to, to see that happen. I mean, obviously, I think a lot of conservatives are afraid that, you know, once OPCON is done, the United States, you know, might want to, you know, maybe someday start pulling troops out or something like that. So I think for them, you know, allowing the United States to have OPCOM or letting that date slip is, is advantageous for them to feeling a little bit more secure in the alliance. I, I think that's kind of crazy, but... You know, that's that's the argument, at least. Yeah. Well, North Korea uh, famously uh, dislikes all drills of any kind involving South Korea and the U.S. And in the past, they've often um, reacted uh, in some way, whether it's uh, launching missiles or some other type of what are deemed to be provocations. Uh, North Korea this time around also not happy about these uh, upcoming exercises, regardless of the nature of them. Uh, the North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un, uh, publicly recently stating that uh, perhaps um, there could be some engagement in the works, but seems like more dangling it as a carrot as to uh, depending on the future actions of South Korea and the U.S. We know the Biden administration is still going through this review process with North Korea policy. What do you think North Korea does from now? Because uh, of all those nations, um, they seem to be really, really, really um, beset by uh, trying to handle the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And I, I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think, you know, whether it's Seoul, Washington, Pyongyang, even Beijing is obviously a big player in this. Everybody is so insulated trying to deal with their own COVID-19 response, economic repercussions, societal repercussions. That I think what's going to happen is the United States and South Korea are going to do a very quiet joint military exercise to test OPCON and test operational readiness. But I don't think a lot of it's really going to get in the headlines unless people like you and me who are you know, living and breathing these Korean issues, mm-hmm. I-, I think we're the only ones who are going to be monitoring it. I think Kim Jong-un might put out a statement being upset about it, but I don't see him you know, watching an ICBM or detonating a nuclear weapon over it. What Kim is really waiting for is the, the end of that Biden review on Korea policy. That is really where he is going to set his agenda and set the tone for what relations are going to look like. And I think that is where we're going to have to worry about you know, potential reactions. Not to the drill, at least not this time. So that actually then um, kind of perfectly uh, segues into the next question. I'm curious about, from your vantage point over in the U.S. and uh, what you're hearing uh, from Biden officials and what the general consensus here seems to be is that, well, uh, Biden, uh, through his many decades in the uh, Senate Foreign Relations Committee, his eight years as vice president, kind of uh, is going to be returning to that uh, so-called conventional way of doing things in dealing with North Korea, which would indeed be very different from what Trump did for the past four years with this top-down approach, really kind of fly by the seat of his pants, but also uh, engaging in ways with North Korea that were unprecedented. Um, Is Biden necessarily going to be taking that um, harder line stance that most people or most pundits seem to believe that is the direction he will be leading towards? I think it's going to pivot on, on sort of two things. I think for right now, from this day until maybe the next six to nine months, the United States is not going to be doing much on North Korea. Mm-hmm. I think we will get a policy review. I think it's going to look very similar strategic patience. I think there will be some, some incentives, some carrots, if you will, to North Korea. But I, I think a lot of it is going to be dependent on North Korea doing something pretty big first in order to sort of warm up relations with with the Biden administration. Not exactly sure what that is, but I think 
looking at some of the hints that, that Washington has dropped, I, I really think that's where this is going to lead. If you talk to Biden administration officials, they really tell you they have three core objectives right now. That's coronavirus, mm-hmm. economic redevelopment, and China. Everything else after that falls by the wayside. And that doesn't mean necessarily they won't do anything on North Korea, but I think for them, they understand that North Korea is a fully developed nuclear weapon state, and they really would have to make major concessions, I think, to the North Koreans to really get some sort of major concessions back. And for them, I don't be, think they view that as really something politically that's advantageous for them. So I, I think really for, for the next six to nine months, unless something really big happens, yeah. we're going to be stuck in sort of the stasis for a while. And what you're describing with the, the Biden administration, obviously their priorities being coronavirus and uh, the economy as well as China, uh, what they are going to do vis-a-vis North Korea is not necessarily a repeat of the uh, ill-fated uh, strategic patience policy of the Obama administration, right? I don't think it'll be a complete repeat of that, but I do think that it, they, the way they view North Korea, unfortunately, as is something, they look at it through a political lens. I think they look at all of the different things they want to do, and they look at the risks, and they look at the rewards in a very shrewd manner. And I think they understand that those three things that I laid out, corona, economy, China, those are the things that they have to do to, to, to really have a successful administration. But when they look at North Korea, I think they see a lot of risk. I think they see a lot of uncertainty. I don't think they trust the North Korean regime, and you can't blame them. And I think they see a situation where if they're really going to have major progress, they're going to have to admit it in some way, that North Korea is a nuclear weapon state, and there's really not a lot they can do about it. And I think a lot of people in the Biden administration don't like arms control, even though that would be a way to slow or stop the North Korean nuclear program. For me, that's a win. That's that's keeping, you know, South Korea and the United States safer than it would be in the years to come. But because they can't get that big win, I think there's a lot of worry that you know, for right now, the risk is just not worth trying to do something with North Korea because they would have to admit certain things politically. And I think they're just afraid that Republicans and maybe even Democrats that, that don't line up with that policy could use it against them. So I think that's a problem. Yeah, I, I mean, fascinating uh, to see what exactly happens in the next uh, few months. Harry Kazianis, as always, a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, as always. That was Harry Kazianis uh, from The National Interest. We are going to take a short break, and we are coming back in the second hour. We're going to take a deep dive into some of the big social issues of the past week and also have our editorial segment with Professor Kim Gi-chang. Stay tuned.